it's all good. Okay, class three. So I'm just gonna, I'm here. Um, so just as a, a super quick review, we just said last week that we have the Nefesh of Bahamas and we have the Nefesh of the Keys. The Nefesh of Bahamas is uh, of creation, selfish, and driven primarily by the desire to uh, continue to live um, and to get rid of its fear of death. The Nefesh of the Keys is an uncreated, for all intents and purposes, being uh, that is of creator, selfless, and its desire is basically to serve Hashem and to merge uh, with him. We've got the, um, the soul is composed of uh, 10 parts. We said the three emotion, three intellectual faculties, Chabad, and the seven emotional faculties, which is um, uh, Chesed, basically love and fear. Um, and as we generate ideas and we, we use our mind, we're going to find that our emotions are going to be uh, generated, impacted, and activated, so to speak. Okay, so this class is called Torah, Mitzvahs, and Everything Else. And um, we're going to introduce a bunch of really profound ideas. Um, we're not going to be able to give them anywhere near as much treatment as we should, uh, but nevertheless, we will see what we can do. Okay, um, the, we're covering chapters four to eight. And I'm not going really in order. I'm kind of putting it together and giving it my own order, how I, how I thought would work best. Um, the first thing we need to discuss is the concept of begadim, of garments. Um, garments, we can, although we translate begadim as garments, the most helpful translation um, for us is going to be behavior. The garments are thought, speech, and action. That's behavior. Um, we are not what we do, we are not what we say, we are not what we think, but we are the one that does, that says and that thinks, okay? Um, there's many reasons why behavior is called garments. One of the reasons is that we use garments to express who we are. You can tell that so-and-so is all, you know, outgoing and fun-loving by the clothes that he wears. Um, the, 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 our behavior, expresses who we are it's not who we are but it's an expression of who we are if we're a loving person we will act in a loving way we'll speak in a loving way and we'll think in a loving way if we are an aggressive uh, or angry person accordingly as well uh, one of the most important things to understand about behavior the difference in who you are and for example what you do is to do with time Behavior is always time bound, which means that behavior has a beginning and an end. Whether it's thought, speech or action, you can always pinpoint the beginning of a thought or the beginning of any behavior, including thoughts as well. Even though thoughts continuously come and go, for each individual thought, there is a beginning and an end. Um, and so too with speech and so too with action. There's a beginning and an end. And that's another reason why behaviors compared to garments just like you put on and take off clothes so too so to speak you put on uh you put on um your behavior and you take it off you begin to do an action and then you stop doing an action you begin to speak you stop to speak etc okay um one moment so one 
Gavriel one. So Gavriel's on the telephone listening in. He just asked, don't garments also conceal us? So they conceal our body, um, but they they don't, they do conceal in a way, but it's a concealment so as to reveal. It's not like um, like it's not like wrapping yourself in a sheet where you actually just cover yourself over. The garment is it does conceal your body, but so as to reveal. Uh, you wouldn't be able to relate to somebody when they're not when they're not clothed. There would be an embarrassment there, etc. Um, the, the very important thing we're learning really about two souls right now because we're just talking about garments in abstract. So we're going to learn about how this applies to the godly soul and how this applies to the, the natural animal soul. Um, a very important concept of the garment is that when I do something, I can actually, so to speak, wear your garment. So if you need me, so to speak, or let's say not you need me, you need uh, your clothes taken to the dry cleaners, when I take your clothes to the dry cleaners, so to speak, I'm becoming enclosed in your action. Your action is being performed by me, just like when you, when you uh, give someone tzedakah with your hand, you're becoming, so to speak, enclosed within your hand. That is the idea of fulfilling someone else's uh, need, someone else, uh, an action required for somebody else, that when I do that action for somebody else, it's like I becoming clothed in their action. I can even speak their words and I can even think their thoughts. For example, like when we when we um, read a book, when we read someone's book, we becoming clothed in their thoughts. That's another very important reason why they're called garments. Um, and to finish off, and this could be the most important thing, maybe, is that. In Hasidus, we look at behavior in almost exactly, if not exactly the same way as we look at objects. Behavior, thought, speech, and action are viewed as things. And just like all things have got a body and a soul, even a rock, even a rock, the body of the rock is, as you see, the soul of the rock, so to speak, is the... Uh, probably what's called the, the, the weak nuclear force or something like that, that, that keeps the atoms together. Yeah, the, every, everything in creation, every, everything has a body and a soul, um, which we could call um, also a, a vessel and light. And another helpful way of referring to it is a boundary and energy. So just like there are objects, things in this world, like your chair, like a table, like a mountain, like clouds, so too thought, speech and action are viewed in almost the exact same way, if not the exact same way. It's a very important idea to get clear because the way we're going to be talking about thought, speech and action is very much how we'd be talking about a rock or an animal or a plant or a chair, etc. Okay, very important. That's a very important idea. One second, I just want to bring my clock so I can stay on time. Okay, so um, that's the concept of begadim, of garments. Now to move over, we're going to discuss the concept of grasping something. Okay, and we're going to tie this all back in a minute. Right now we're just talking very abstract. But the idea of grasping um, 
intellectually and also physically when you grasp an object is to do with surrounding the object. So if I grasp my telephone, for example, that means my hand goes around the telephone. And in very much the same way, in exactly the same way, um, our mind, when we grasp an idea, our mind surrounds it. Like we say, oh, I hupt that. Hupt is just Yiddish for grasp. So when you grasp an idea, that means your mind surrounds the idea and the idea becomes surrounded within your mind. There's another facet to when we learn, which is that our mind becomes immersed in the subject. So not only does the subject, when we really understand the subject, does the subject, does the subject become enclosed within our mind, but we can become immersed in a subject, like the expression lost in thought or immersed in a subject, to the point where we are within the subject itself. And there's endless levels, well, not to all subjects, but to a lot of subjects, there's endless levels or many, many levels, which means as we understand it deeper, we can become immersed even deeper. And that, that experience is the difference between um, doing or thinking um, any kind of the, uh, any of the behaviors, which is thought, speech and action and understanding. It's important to remember that thought is not necessarily understanding. Understanding is something much deeper than thought that you use thought to help you uh, achieve, uh, but the actual concept of grasping or understanding something is much deeper than thought itself. Okay, so now we need to plug what we've just learned in to the two different, the two different souls. So we've got the concept of garments, and the concept of understanding. The, the, um, the, the garments, like we said, are thought, speech, and action. Um, and we're gonna understand now how this works. In fact, we're gonna just take another little detail before we bring it all together. And we're gonna discuss a, um, a foundational difference between the godly soul and the animal soul. As we explained last week, each soul is made up of 10 parts, so to speak. Uh, we've got the three intellectual faculties and the seven emotional faculties. And in every soul, the emotions are born of the, the emotions are born of the intellect. Um, like we said last week, if you don't know about something, by definition, you can't have any emotions towards it. So if I was just to ask you what you feel about the situation in uh, you know, in, in Western Sahara right now, your question would be, well, what's going on in Western Sahara? And then once I told you, now you could have emotions towards it. So all emotions are always born of intellect, okay? There is the concept of an emotion just coming like a, a, a that's not really emotion, like mochen de godless, mochen de cutness. But anyway, uh, without getting involved in that. But basically, emotions are born of intellect. Now the question is, once the emotion has been born, what now happens? So emotions are called children of intellect. Now in a healthy, in a healthy household, the parents guide the children to becoming menschlich. So that's a healthy, that's in the godly soul, the mind, once the emotions have been born, the mind guides and directs the emotions on a healthy, happy path. In the animal or natural soul, it works differently. The emotions are born 
of the intellect when we start when we know about a certain food, for example, now the emotion towards that food, an attraction or repulsion becomes born with inside of us. Now what happens? In a healthy, uh, in, in, the, in the godly soul, the intellect will start talking to the emotions and explain that this isn't really healthy for us, this food. So I think we should get away from it. And sure enough, the emotions will start to, will be seduced, so to speak, uh, or trumped either way by the intellect and they will start to guide be guided towards or away from that certain food in the animal soul what happens is the emotions are born you see the food and the emotion the immediate emotion is well i'd like to eat that now immediately the emotions are going to overtake the mind they're going to hijack the mind and they're going to manipulate the mind into or they're going to use the mind to manipulate itself to 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 um attain what they're looking for that's analogous to spoiled children so the healthy uh, holy situation in the godly soul is when the mind is directing the emotions in a healthy way the unhealthy an unholy situation of the animal natural soul is when the emotions are born and now the emotions use so to speak they hijack the intellect to allow the intellect to achieve what to allow themselves to achieve whatever it is they need to achieve or whatever it is they want to achieve and that's analogous like we said to spoiled children that the children are in charge of their parents and the children are using their parents to achieve what they want as opposed to the parents healthily guiding and educating the children along the right path that's the primary difference between the how the the animal soul works and how the godly soul works now let's plug all this in one said i have a question from gabriel yeah gabriel so gabriel's asking if the if the godly soul cannot operate in that fashion and the um, the, it can operate in that fashion, um, but in a healthy way, as in it will use the emotions to drive the intellect to help drive the emotions further. But, but never will the intellect lose Schlita, lose dominion over the emotions. So you can, so to speak, work yourself up into a into a holy frenzy. But the minute you see that you might say that a good example is of a example of Manus gave of the of the Lubavitcher Rebbe one time, where he said that the Lubavitcher Rebbe um, would give a Fabrengan and, and speak very, um, he would work himself up into a frenzy over a certain thing going on in the world against some certain person, but he would never ever mention their name or he would never, he would never go into the world of Rosh and Hora, even though emotionally he was in such a frenzy because never for one moment did his mind lose dominion over his, over his emotions. You get that, Gabriel? One second, someone just joined. Wait a minute. I'm going to just pin me. There we go. Hi, Chaim David. Welcome. One second, Gabriel. What, what was it you just said? Uh, 
If, so Gabriel just asked, if you find yourself controlled by your emotions, yes, it is Vada the Nefesh Bahamas. And the natural state as well, just to make it more interesting, is the natural state of a human being is that um, he feels, or let's say that a child who has free reign feels out of control and actually wants his parents to actually give him structure and discipline him. And that's exactly the case with our emotions. When our emotions have got free reign, we feel mummish out of control and it, it's a horrible feeling. And our emotions are looking to the intellect to be guided. That's the natural way. So the, um, the, um, or, or the, that's, that's how it should be. That's the healthy way. That's the healthy way. So the, whenever we lose ourselves to our emotions, that's for sure coming from the natural uh, animal soul, the, the godly soul, although it can work itself into an emotional frenzy, never ever loses control, never ever loses control emotionally. And it would be able to redirect or discontinue the emotions as need be very, very quickly, maybe not instantaneously, but quickly. Okay, so we're going to move on. So, yeah, one more question. <laughs> so, Gabriel's asking, what about a non-Jew who doesn't have the nefesh lakis? Is the intellect able to be controlled, to able to control? And the answer is yes, but to get into the answer that question, we'd be derailed for a long, we're not, I'm, I'm sorry, Gabriel, we're going to, we're going to, jump out of that one because that's going to derail us into having to understand the third kind of soul um, and that just makes things more complicated so we're not going to go there sorry man okay so the the next question that we need to answer now which is a really interesting question is what is the Torah okay we we sit with the Torah the whole time we talk about it and whatever but what actually is it okay so it's comprised of 79,976 words which this is, we're talking about the Chumash, which is um, composed of 304,805 letters. Okay, that's called the, the, that's the Chumash, the five books of Moshe. But then we know that the Torah spills out into the prophets, into the Nevi'im, that's Tanakh. And then we know that there's Torah Shabal Peh. And Torah Shabal Peh spreads out into the, into the Mishnah, into the Mechilters, into the Brises, into all the different, um, all, the, all the different aspects of the Torah Shabal Peh, into the Kabbalah, into the Talmud, both Talmud, in the Rishonim, the Achroinim, the Poiskim, then we have Hasidus, we have Musa, the Torah. So, so what actually is the Torah? This is the question. It seems to... So we could say it's a book that God wrote. Okay, and that's not false, that's true. But really, if we want to understand deeply what the Torah is and, and understand what we're doing when we're involved in Torah, is we're going we're gonna to say it like this. The Torah is not just a book that God wrote. The Torah is Hashem in finite form. Hashem encoded himself into not just the letters. Oh, Gabriel, can I hang up the phone? I'm going to hang up the phone. You there? Are you there? Okay. So the Torah is not 
the Torah is not just a book that God wrote, Shem Yaakov. By the way, Yaakov, I learned the Mishnahis for your mother. Yeah, it should be uh, an Elias and a Shem as well to Shem. Amen. Thank you. Sorry to hear about that. But anyway, um, the, the Torah is Hashem encoded into, again, like what's the Torah? That, that's a kind of a vague question, but whatever it is, and it's definitely all contained within the five books of Moshe, yeah, Hashem is encoded within that. When we stand up for the Sefer Torah in the Shul, we are standing up for the Rabboi Shlomo. That's what the Torah is. The Torah is a Shem encoded into letters and ideas and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's called the most insane miracle that could ever be. That the infinite ultimate being, Hashem Himself, reality itself, was able to compress itself into a bunch of letters, even though those letters are endless and the numbers and the chalufi, oisius, and all, et cetera, et cetera, it goes on and on. But the fact that he did that was the biggest pillar of all pillars. And that's why we say, that the Torah and Hashem is one. And just to quote the Talmud in, um, in Shabbos, Rabbi Yochanan Didama, Rabbi Yochanan says, Anoichi, he explains that the word Anoichi is a notricon, which means, a, how do you say it in English? Rosh Tavers, uh, uh, not trick on uh, an acronym. An acronym, thank you. What do you call it? I think an acronym. Uh, what do you call it? An um, acronym. Four. Yeah, and this is we speak about as in all the time. Anna Nafshi Sivas Yavis. That I wrote my soul. I gave you my soul through the Torah. The Torah is Hashem encoded into letters. Okay, or into ideas, and uh, that's what the uh, the Bear My Chaim says. He says, mm-hmm. I put my soul into this writing and gave it to you. Kaloma means through the Torah, I gave to the children of Israel, my soul is in this kasiva. Hashem's soul is in the Torah. That's what the Torah is. When we're standing up for the Sefer Torah, we're standing up for the Rabboi Shloilim himself. Now, what does that mean when we're engaged in Torah? There's two ways of being engaged in Torah. There's learning it and there's doing it. Let's go back to what we said. Is that literal Hashem's soul? I mean, what's a soul and what's Hashem? So... Yeah, we can take that literally. Hashem is encoded in the letters of the Torah. Yeah, we can take that. I mean, to say is that literal, it doesn't really, you know. But yeah, he's in the Torah. That's why the Torah is Kadosh, Mamash. And you stand up for it and you can't do anything untowards with it. It's Mamash Kadosh. Hashem is Mamash there, encoded within the Torah. So if we plug it back into the concept of garments and of understanding... When we do Torah, when we speak to, when we think Torah, like we explained that when you go and do someone a favor, you become enclosed in that person. Hashem and his Torah are one. When you do speak or think Torah, that's why it's called garments. You become enclosed in the Rabboi Nishroi Mamash. Now, what about when you understand Torah? If when you do Torah, you become enclosed in Hashem, then when you understand Torah, 
he becomes so to, he so to speak becomes enclosed within you like we said the idea of understanding something means that you surround it it becomes panimi internal to you so when we understand Torah so to speak we ingest the Rabbeinu we ingest Hashem he becomes merged with them just like food and that's why Torah is called food Mitzvahs are called clothing, called garments, and the Torah is called food. Because just like when you eat food, it actually, it, it comes inside you and it becomes you. It becomes your flesh and blood. So too, the Rabbeinu merges with you. That's why we become holy when we learn Torah. Because just like we ingest and digest food, so to speak, we ingest and digest the Rabbeinu if we could even say such a thing on a soul level. That gives sustenance to the soul. Okay. Um, so that is one of the, I can't believe what we're going to try and accomplish now, but that is um, the one of the one of the advantages over learning Torah than doing mitzvahs. That the unity of the soul, when you learn, like we said before, not only do you understand the idea you grasp the idea I mean you surround the idea but you're also immersed in the subject so it's called makif umukaf it surrounds you and you surround it that unity is so wondrous that the tanya says that hashem didn't make a moshal an analogy for it in this world there's no such thing in this world where something surrounds something and is surrounded by it at the same time that's the wondrous virtue of learning torah that there can be no greater closeness with hashem than through learning torah whereas with mitzvahs you become enclosed within torah we're not going to get into it now but there are definitely there's a very big advantage of mitzvahs over Torah, but we'll get there later on as well. Shmuel, Shmuel I, my neshama is a chelik al-kamimal. Yeah. What's the difference between my chelik al-kamimal and the Torah? I have Hashem in me already. So that, 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 that's talking about the essence of the, the neshama. When we're talking about that, that's a really good question. And it's a, 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 very quickly, that we're talking about the nefesh ruch neshama of the neshama, not the chayim mechida. The Yechid is anyway, Echad, Yachad, and Yuchad with Rabboi Nishloilam. It's the same thing. It's a Chelek, Elechai, Mimal. But we're talking about the lower levels of the soul, the Nefesh, the Ruach, and the Neshama. And after the Neshama is to do with the Moichim, with understanding, and the Ruach is to do with the Midas and the speaking, and, and, the, and the Nefesh is to do with the body and the doing, etc. But it's those levels of the soul that end up bound with Hashem, we're not talking about the higher levels of the soul that are what you're really referring to. Those are the parts that are mamash Hashem himself anyway. You with me? Okay, we have to go on because we've got what we're going to say now. There's no way that we can humanly do it in 12 minutes. But I've made something very cool. So, um, yeah. So when we're involved in mitzvahs, our soul becomes um, becomes enclosed within the Rebbeinu When we are when we are learning Torah, not only do we become enclosed within the Rebbeinu but the Rebbeinu becomes panimi, becomes internal to us, and it works the same way with secular subjects. 
and with everything else of this world in regards to the animal soul. When the animal soul does things of this world, it becomes enclosed within them. And when it learns subjects of this world, not only does it become enclosed within them, but they become internal to it. So the, the things of this world are klipa. The things of this world conceal Hashem. Everything in this world conceals Hashem, even though it's clothing and will allow us actually to, to get to Hashem. But the, the basic, if when we look at it in its own right as something in its own self, when the animal soul is involved in this world for its own selfish purposes, meaning this world becomes an end unto itself, it becomes enclosed in klipa, it becomes enclosed in cover-up, and when it's thinking and, and understanding the things of this world, the secular subjects, with no godly purpose, it's ingesting klipa, and it's ingesting cover-up. Is that clear? We could talk about this for hours and everything that I'm saying here, like literally, we could speak about everything for hours and hours, but this is the, the tour de Tanya. So we have to keep going. Okay, so what is it that the, the uh, Nefesh of Bahamas is looking for? So we said four things. It, it really wants just to, to mitigate its, its fear of death, which it does by pleasure, dominance, recognition, identification. And like we said, that's everything else in this world for selfish purposes. You can even put on Chaz Vashalom, you can even do religious, Jewish religious acts for selfish purposes. And it's the same, you're giving, you're solidifying the Nefesh of Bahamas. If it's not for the Rabbi Shonen, if you're not putting on to fill in for Hashem, yeah, not let's not say if you're just doing it stum without a real without just doing it like rope, that's not that bad. But if you're doing it for some kind of like I want meaning in my life or I want I want to feel connection, not that you can't want that as well, but if that's the motivating force behind putting on the to fill in, yeah, you are you are adding to your misery. But you, yeah, you're right. It will have, it, hopefully, Bezat Hashem, it will turn to Lishma. But if you're doing it for ulterior motives, it's going to add to your misery. The, the most profound motivation you can have for Torah and mitzvahs is because Hashem said, finished. This is Ratzon Hashem. He wants me to, to put on to fill in tomorrow, this morning. That's it. Now I can try and find meaning and experience and enjoy and pleasure. And that's okay. That's fine. But the reason why I'm doing it is because this is Ratzon Hashem. Not so that I can get some kind of geschmack or have some kind of experience. That has to be secondary. Otherwise, you're adding, you're adding to your to the clipper in you. You're adding to your, you're adding to the to the misery, basically. You're adding to your non-existence. Okay, so now. I created this thing. I'm, we're going to do it. Let, we're we're going to bring it up on the screen in a second. The Kleepers. Kleepers, we said, are divided into two, two levels. We have the, the Gimel Kleepers Timaeus, which is the completely concealed realm, which is, which is forbidden. And then we have Kleepers Neuger, which is the partially concealed like translucent cover-up which is permissible okay the things of Kleepus of Timaeus the the, the dark Kleepus of Kleepus Timaeus is on on generally not always but generally the uh Nefesh of Bahamas of uh of the Umosa Oilam, Treif animals 
any kind of trafe vegetation, kilea kerem, etc., shvis that wasn't dealt with properly, and thought, speech, and action of the 365 prohibited acts of the Torah. Okay, and remember, like we said earlier, that thought, speech, and action are considered like things, just like animals and plants. They're thought of as things. Okay, what's of klipasnoiga? Klipasnoiga is translucent, means it's partially concealed, and it's we can elevate it. It's permissible. That is the nefesh Bahamis of the yid. Kosher animals, kosher vegetation, and thought, speech, and action of things of this world that are not forbidden, like playing pool in a kosher place, or going for a drive, um, or eating something that's kosher. Those are all acts or activities that are not forbidden in any way. That's from the that's from Kleber's Neuger. Okay, now we'll just bring up this thing. One second. I'm going to share my screen. Hopefully this will work. Um, now just, here we go. I'll just tell you a quick story behind this. I made this, uh, this flowchart that, uh, I made this flowchart um, using this free program. And it gives you this quota, just as a just as a cute thing. It gives you this quota of exactly how many squares and lines you can use until you have to pay for the until you have to pay for it. Yeah. So after I'd finished this whole flowchart, I by accident like duplicated one of the boxes, and it came up and said, "No, if you want to duplicate, if you want to add anything more, you'd have to pay for the next version." So without knowing, I went to the exact limit and it worked out perfectly without having to pay. So I think this is a very holy thing to look at. So anyway, you can look through this yourself. But I'm going to give you, I, I really recommend, because there's a lot, you can do a lot of learning very quickly through this, through this uh, graph, I hope. Um, I'm just going to give you a quick uh, inclination how to do it. It's linked to the, uh, to the sheet that I'll send out afterwards. Okay, so there's two kinds of behavior. Uh, or there's being there's being involved in two kinds of clipper. There's the gimel clipus Timaeus, that's G K H, and then there's clipus Neuger. Okay. Now there's only one of two reasons why you could be involved in either thing. One would be for selfish purposes, or one would be for a shem. So I just made this anyway. That how could you be involved in something forbidden for a shem? And it would be, for example, breaking shabbos or eating trade to save a life. Okay, breaking Shabbos is a forbidden act, but in the situation where it could save a life, that would be the elevation of that Hillel Shabbos. And that's why it's actually a mitzvah to break Shabbos when, when somebody's life depends on it, as opposed to not. But that's a very, that I've written there, exceptional, and it's a very side point. The, the basic reason why anybody is involved in the Gimel Klippus Timaeus is always going to be selfish. Why is a person doing an Avera? Because he wants to do Nevera. That's for him. So now there's two things going on. There's your godly soul here. This is the spark of divinity in your God, in your sorry, in your animal soul. And there's the spark of divinity in the actual act. Okay. Now, what happens to both of these things when a person is involved in the act? Oh, uh, yeah, Yaakov, you want to say something? Yeah, I wanted to always know. Are we also elevating the negative precept when we are conquering our taiva towards it? 
Yeah. So it's not just like, okay, now I got to break Shabbos to save a life. So now I've elevated that, but there's also, like, so now I'm seeing this for sure a different angle. Oh, I, I understand. So I'm you're elevating your, that. You're, also, you're elevating your nefesh of Bahamas. But so you're I'm also, itching suppose, right now to uh, break Shemichal Shabbos for whatever reason. That would be, so you're, you're saying you're, that would be a, that would be an elevation for that, for that Avera, absolutely. If, if right. You, able to abstain from that very absolutely we didn't get involved there that would involve a lot more lines but anyway but so there's the Shmuel, explain why why is there two options when something's done selfishly or something's done godly no there's what do you mean say again underneath the the chart uh row number three breaks down into two options I don't oh yeah no it's, it's not two options it's describing two the two things that are going on there's this there's the there's the godliness in I the behavior, it. and then there's the godliness in your soul. In the thing. Got it, got it. Yeah. So when you're involved in the Gimel Clip, when a person's involved in Gimel Clips Timaeus, the, the actual energy in the thing itself is already forbidden. That's just, that's there. There's nothing doing with that. But the, the energy from your, from your Nefesh of Bahamas, and that also includes the energy from your godly soul, gets sucked down into that Clipper and gets held by that Clipper. And that fuels the cover-up of the entire world. Okay, we're not going to look at this right now. But now this is the really, this is very important for us, is the permissible behavior. Now there's one of two options. You're either doing it for a selfish purpose, you're doing it for a godly purpose. If you're doing it for a selfish purpose, now the energy in the, in the object or the act and the energy in your godly and your animal soul including your godly soul i need to add that in gets sucked down into the gimel clipper satameus really the world is very simple the world is the, the this world is a story of two options two choices this world is a story of two choices everything is to do there's one of two options you're either in it for him is barach or you're in it for you that's it. There's no, there's really no middle ground. It's really as, bl as black and white as that. So when a person gets involved, so that's really, so when we talk about the levels of Klipa, Klipa Neuge, Gimel Klipa's Timaeus, it's kind of already, there really is in truth, and Lubavitch Rebbe says this, there's really in truth, no Klipa's Neuge is a kind of abstract concept because the minute you touch it, it's either gone down into the Klippus Timaeus or it's gone up into Kedusha. So it's only Klippus Neuge on an abstract level before you've had any, any interaction with it. So when a person is involved in Klippus Neuge, the, the permissible acts of this world, for a selfish purpose, it goes down into the Gimel Klippus Timaeus, but only temporarily. And it can be raised back out of it quite simply. But when we're involved in the things of this world for a selfish purpose, we are bringing the entire world down, the entire world down. Conversely, when we are involved in the things of this world for a godly purpose, we are bringing the entire world up. Everything's going back up to Hashem, okay? And that's the purpose of creation. So what is it? What's the point? What, what are we doing? When we're involved in the things of this world, we are elevating the animal soul. 
we are elevating the behavior of the animal soul and we we are elevating all of the objects and all of the ingredients that went into the objects that is being lifted up how can you do and how can you and this is this is really the foundation of everything how can you do something for god what allows you to be able to do something for god the fact that you have a nefesh alakis that's why the actions of the umoisa oilam don't make such a difference up or down they're not bringing anything they're not bringing in new energy and that's the reason why titus of russia says the nefesh Chaim, yeah what he did in the base in the kodesh of Adoshim with the zoina on a safer torah didn't doesn't cause as much damage as a yid entertaining one bad thought because his soul is not he's not adding energy to the clipus of Timaeus. so when you think about it his whole the whole concept of an, an avera by by the umas oilam is a completely different concept of an avera by a yid because by by the non-Jew, the, the energy there's not energy going there. He has to be a good boy to make sure that the world maintains decorum and and looks beautiful. The Jew can't do averas because if he does, he's causing tremendous energy to get sucked into the keeper, and that unbalances the entire world. The what? The tinak Oh, I don't know how that works. Eliezer just asked about Tinoch Shanishba. I'm not sure. But the, um, but, but the point is that the Jew is able to do something for God because he has a Jewish soul. You couldn't do something for God if you didn't have a Jewish soul. So it's that part of him that schleps up the Nefesh of Bahamas, that schleps up the behavior, that schleps up all of the ingredients of the physicality or whatever, what went into that behavior, and the whole world ascends into the Boina Shalem, and the Klippa, by definition, is softened, and now Hashem is more visible to everyone. Excellent. That's uh, Eliezer Kasoy. Yeah.